We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The names behind the numbers. The stories behind the names. This is the Her Hoop Stats Podcast with John Little. All the details, all the little things are the biggest thing. We're all really, really good in this league. Every team has talent. Now it's who's talking, who's communicating, who's flying around and covering for each other. And you're just trying to build that chemistry where they start to work together. The biggest newsmakers, the best storytellers. The Her Hoop Stats Podcast. Here's your host, John Little. Welcome in. It's another edition of the Her Hoop Stats Podcast. I'm your host, John Little, a sports broadcaster, play-by-play, my specialty out of the uh, Dallas area. also host an afternoon show along with my partner in crime, Susie Solis, on News Radio 1080 KRLD. And you hear Susie's awesome voice on the front and back of these podcasts. And just a quick note, because we have to do this because we're a podcast, make sure to, hey, favorite us, like us wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe if you're on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us if you're on Apple as well. That really helps other people find the show and just tell other people about it. If you're enjoying the interviews we're bringing you, uh, we've had some really good names on here. We've been incredibly blessed, and we are planning on continuing to bring you those huge names week after week. My gosh, we got some great response from the Megan Gustafson interview. That was our most listened to podcast so far, and that was following up an incredible interview with Tamika Catchings, one of the best defenders in WNBA history, and then Tisha Pinachero right off the top, you know, the best passer in WNBA history as well. So we've had some really good interviews, some tough ones to live up to, but now we really dive into the coaching ranks, but then also another one of the top 20 players in WNBA history is this week on the podcast, we talked to Katie Smith, the 
all-time leading scorer in women's professional basketball history when you look at what she was able to do over the entirety of her career. And she played till she was 39 years old. And now she's become uh, a great coach as well with the New York Liberty and stepping into her second season as the head coach of the Liberty this year. Now, at the time of this podcast recording, they're coming off a big win over the L.A. Sparks. Uh, they've won three games now on the season right in the thick of the playoff hunt and it looks like they're really starting to turn the corner so it's a real great conversation appreciate katie's time and right off the bat i asked katie what's the biggest difference between year one and year two for her yeah i'm always of the mindset especially playing and now just constantly growing and learning it was um challenging because you still want to do things in your first year as like a, as like an assistant right really in the defensive stuff in this in that and as a head coach I think you have to step back and see the, the totality of it all right and and, and see the, the big issues and the things you can take advantage of so I think you know I've learned to to, to kind of step back you know adding Charmin Smith and, and still having her has been helpful so that I can kind of sit back and watch and and observe everything rather than being in drills and you know and kind of that so you know those types of things I think um keeping it simple you know knowing your team and continually trying to get a gauge on them and what they need and what they don't need and how to teach. And, you know, I'm always willing to change and try things that will better help uh, our group. Um, and some of it's trial and error. Um, you know, you're just always, you know, trying to tweak things so that we can have the most uh, success both individually and as a unit. What did you work on coaching wise in the off season or did you work on your quote coaching game like you would, you know, as a player trying to improve something in the off season? Yeah, I think, you know, offensively, it's, it's as I said, to, to, to simplify to a point so that your team is playing and, and not thinking and executing well the things that we do have in rather than worrying about what spot we're in and, you know, oh, I'm supposed to be here. And so just taking a little bit of that thinking piece away so then they can mostly just react and be comfortable. The other part is just, just me, just, as I said, stepping back and, and observing and, and chiming in when to chime in, when not to, things to, to worry about, not worry about, and just always constantly. I think that's always evolving and it's always changes every year with the different uh, players that you have. So, you know, all of that. And then, you know, prep is all the same, how you prep and knowing the teams and knowing things that you want to run or defensively. And then in the game, you know, in-game adjustments and, and substitutions and things, just getting better at all of that and making sure that you're getting a vibe for the game and understanding uh, the flow and, and, and controlling it as much as you can. What changes have you seen with the change in ownership in the offseason? It's always a little bit. It's because we really put our we're an independent team, so I guess that's the biggest um, change is coming from MSG, where it's you know a large organization and and multifaceted and just those resources, and now coming um, into just creating a, a finance department and how to find a practice facility and, and housing and uh, payroll. All everything was brand new, and also hiring staff both on the business end and on our, our side, uh, ops and GM and, and this and that. So, uh, and also with the time crunch of being February is when we, we got sold and understanding that, you know, games were already set, but still trying to figure out housing and lock everything down. So lots of work behind the scenes that went into it. And I think everybody's, you know, we really like the vibe. We love the ownership group is, is awesome. Um, Josiah and his team are, 100% and Clara, uh, his wife are all the way behind us and, uh, really embraced, um, this new adventure. It's something I think we feel, we feel good that we're able to start to build and, and kind of create this identity 
and I think it's in a phase, right? I mean, we're uh, living and practicing in Brooklyn, and we stay, still play at Westchester County Center, and hopefully next year that'll phase into a different place, and maybe the you know, it's so it's we're in like phase one, but we're excited about what the future holds and, and their commitment to us, and we just want to put the best product uh, out there for for them and for our, our fans. I know you were completely into the game the other day, and, and you probably didn't get to see it. But uh, I think on on TV we saw Joe Sai kind of uh, I don't know, getting down. He was he was dancing a little bit. I, pretty energetic, um, would you say? I mean, it, does, is that the kind of vibe that he brings? Because that's certainly how it came across. He does. He's a, a very um, he's like a genuine person. Like a seems like a very the business wise by all means he's he's probably smarter you know he's a smart guy who understands how to run a business i just also think that he has a a caring kind of genuine piece to him like he just feels like a really good guy <laughs> and, and clara as well just her her vibe what they care about how they talk about their their org, their their companies and and the other teams and people they're associated with it just is such a it sounds like some they're just really good people who who work extremely hard um, and try to create things that not only obviously benefit them, but would also benefit those that are in their organizations. But they're just their support and willingness to uh, be a part of this, to to grow it, understand it, is really special. And just as I said, the, the few interactions I've had with Clara and Joe have been um, extremely authentic and uh, genuine, which is just a, a really good uh, good feeling. Outstanding. Well, big acquisitions in the offseason, especially through the draft. Bringing Han in has gotten a lot of eyeballs on the Liberty as well. But what has it been like trying to develop her game in the short amount of time that you have to do it? What have the main focus has been there with Han? You know, for her, it's it's making sure, first of all, she's, she's comfortable. You know, she got a translator, uh, making sure that we're being thorough enough and, and slow enough on understanding, you know, make, making sure that she hears the calls and practicing the play so she feels comfortable enough when she goes out um, that she's aware and not having that barrier of just the communication piece. Um, it's been helpful just for myself and in our team to, to realize that, you know, communication is key. Uh, making sure that, you know, she's understanding and seeing the call is, is, is huge. Uh, to her success and also ours. Um, so it's just really, for me, I want to be able to provide her and have the enough communication that she feels good. And that's just making sure I, I check in with her, making sure I'm, I'm asking her and, and want her to give me feedback if there's things that I can do to help her. So that's one of the major pieces is that is just the communication, but she also, her English is solid and her and the, and the, and the players are, have a nice bond and they can, they hang out and communicate and have a good time so she's she's doing awesome and then on the basketball side she's she's a really skilled player she can score it she's agile um so she knows how to play but she's also this the the physicality uh, of this league the pace and the quickness of this league is definitely something that will is a little bit of a learning curve of how to function in this and figuring out how her skill set, her body type, all of it fits within this and how does she function. So that is a learning curve because this is the best league in the world and it is physical and fast and it is unbelievable. And for a 19-year-old, and sometimes we forget she's 19, and for her, I think she's doing a nice job and we just want to make sure she keeps her head up. Um, and continues just to grow. Outstanding. And, and as far as your first round pick is you bring in Asia, and that's got to be tough for her to have a coach who's one of the best two guards ever 
and uh, then have to come in and play that position. Are you ever harder on that position because specifically you, you played a lot of that spot? Not harder. It's just you under you kind of can have the the mindset of what they're going through and what you can see them doing or not doing and what they so it's it, it but you can give them tidbits of how to function how to get your shots off you know how to be you know just little things like that so I'm not harder but I I want Asia we want her to know and and also other players their roles and, and what they need to do to, for our team to be successful and for Asia. Her being aggressive and a scorer is something that we need as a team to be successful. And for her to not do that or for Nurse not to be a scorer and attack mentality and Boyd not to push tempo and be aggressive is those things have to happen for us to have success. So we just want to stay in each of their ears and especially in Asia's role is to to, to look to score. And we need her to do that. And we need her to be aggressive in that sense. So we just try to stay in her ear and and make sure that she knows that because she's a, she's going to make the right reads, but we want her to stay on that attack mindset so that she's you know being able to give whatever she can to us. And uh, she's skilled, so skilled, smart, can score at a lot of different levels, and also a really good passer. But we we want her to continue to flourish and really find her niche in this league. Along those lines, do you see any certain sets that might put her at more of a point guard role for you guys? Um, she could, you know, we've, we've thought about it. We have a little bit of a log jam at the, at the one, um, where we have some, some ones, um, and by all means with certain sets, if she had the basketball, she could bring the ball up, but it is something that we've, it's kind of in the back of your head, but it's also with the other pieces that we have, is that the right fit? And, and again, it can, it can kind of flow depending on who's in. Um, but I think she would be a comfortable, uh, one or two, but sometimes you wonder with the one it's, you're still first thought is a facilitator second thought is scoring and don't really want to take that away from her to not have that mentality of an attack mentality if you're running a one because i've also done that i've gone to a two guard to a one and sometimes you're like oh yeah i can score too i forgot i can actually this person can't guard me right so you're, you're always thinking about how do i get other people's shots um so that limits you so i think right now we really have the mindset for her to just go out there and be a two guard be a scorer Understood. Now, with Kia Nurse, you brought her up as well. I, I know it was a big overseas season for her coming back with a championship from uh, her time in Australia. Did you see a change in her coming back? Any renewed confidence with uh, that kind of success? No, I thought she she really did come in with uh, some energy and also with some improvement on her pick and rolls um, offense. You know, I think she really worked on that in the offseason. You know, I'd, I'd stay in touch. Um, she's a worker, and at the end of the day, uh, Kia is going to put in uh, time into her game, um, and wants. And she's her hardest critic, so she wants to get better in a lot of areas. So I thought, you know, she came in that she wanted to be a more consistent scorer and defender. Um, she wanted to continue to be, you know, aggressive, um, put pressure on the defense, you know, and she can do that. She can flat out score it, and again, getting better with her pull up mid range game and also finishing. Um, so just. I think the consistency piece would be huge of, you know, knocking down these looks, but she puts so much pressure on the defense and um, with her, her attack mentality, but also on the other end, she flies around on defense. She runs hard on offense. She's just one of those players that good things happen because she's, she's bringing the energy every possession. We're talking with all time great Katie Smith. And of course, New York Liberty head coach as well. I'm just wondering, you know, as somebody who's been at at the very top and been counted on, 
as um, a, a key player pretty much every step of the way in your playing days. How do you relate to the kids who aren't necessarily in those starring roles now? Maybe they're coming off the bench for you. Maybe they're, they're the 11th or the 12th, or maybe even they were the last cuts, you know, here recently. Do you find it difficult to relate to them or how do you relate to them? And is that a challenge for you? You know, it's, it's not, um, you know, I, a lot of it's based off of when you did play and, and, you know, everybody has their role and, and, you know, you need every single person. And that's what I've always appreciated about this game is that we all bring something to the table. And some people remember plays, some people don't, some people are great rebounders. Some people are great shooters. Some, you know, everybody, bring something and you want to make sure that they know that and you you want to make sure that they're all embracing their roles and what they do well while continuing to grow and and get better and we just try to make sure that that we're in this together we need every single one of us whether it's in the game or in practice to prepare us um to for a win because this league is so hard and also just be there mentally mentally and, and physically on the bench every single day because it's it's just everything matters how all the details all the little things are the biggest things it's not we're all really really good in this league it's every team has talent now it's who's talking who's communicating who's flying around and covering for each other who's setting good screens who's paying attention to the scout and and it's just those are the things and you're just trying to build that chemistry where they start to work together and and they're a unit. We give them the schemes, and sure, we have to give them the offenses, but they have to make them theirs. They have to make them their own. They have to own it and figure it out as a unit, and that's where we really want to breed and and try to grow that is that everybody has a a role and to stay ready, and and they matter every single thing they bring. I think you put it perfectly there. How do you balance the role as a coach, winning versus developing in the WNBA? It's Developing is hard because there's developing is time, I think. Developing and changing habits, correcting a shot or getting them to be disciplined and, and change some things that they've done their whole careers in, in like a three-week span. Because once the season starts, you you might have one week where you have four or five practices, but most weeks you're having one and then maybe a light day because you're playing. So there's really not a lot of time to break habits physically, like go to practice and drill, 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 drill. And so a lot of it's film and talking and and explaining why and hopefully both practice, film, all of those, something will click. And then then it's the discipline for the player to do it. Take what you're saying, take what you're showing them to then go out there and do it. And that's the hardest part because some people are capable of doing that and some people it's harder. So it is it is hard to develop and change something because of just don't have the time and the repetition. Um, and then during the off season, then it's dictated by how disciplined they are to put in that work when they're overseas and they're playing a season and practicing and going into games. And maybe that coach could care less about the things we care about. So that's, it is a hard, um, piece, but you still want to correct them and tell them why. And this is what you can be better at and trying to do things in practice and breakdown. So you, you try, um, but also there's only a few, you know, few hours in the day that you can get through your offenses, defenses, and everything to prepare for a game. And, you know, you're just trying to pick out the most important things to, to help both that individual and then also for you guys to win games. So it's it's a tough thing to do. 
Um, but you also have to try to find ways to keep them motivated and disciplined during the offseason to think about those things and to start incorporating them into their game. As we head toward figuring out what the, the next CBA is going to look like, you know, maybe just timing wise with the crossover of the seasons overseas and, and, and stuff like that, maybe this just isn't possible. But if uh, you as a head coach, if, if you could get in there and, and make a suggestion, would you want a longer off season in that, you know, they have to report earlier and things like that to give you that development time? Or is that just one of those things where uh, that uh, that went by the wayside a long time ago? And this is just how we have to operate in the WNBA. You know, being a former player, I just I would never want to take opportunities away from them to make money and make a living whatever's best for them if they're overseas and that's the best opportunity for them to make money and then to come back and and be invested and show up and obviously come to work and give everything they have to us then i'm i'm all for it because i i am a supporter of them uh making this having this career and enjoying it and getting the most out of it so i i always have that fine line of as a coach you'd love to have more time but as a player a former player you also understand like this is the best job in the world and to maximize your you know earning power during this time is crucial um and to create that nest egg so you know i'm always torn to like i totally understand you know as a former player like go do it and then the other part is like man all right we'll make it work (laughs) you know we wish we could have them um and build this team and and even right now we have two players that aren't here um we will lose a couple more mid-june for a couple weeks and we'll adjust and that's not easy uh for a team but it's our job to to try to navigate that and, and continue to have continuity even with some changes uh during that time so as i said i'm i'm 50 50 like i totally get it and the other part you're like man i wish they were here <laughs> so i hear you but it's it's nice to hear you express that and i've heard you say that before that you know it's the best job in the world as a player mm-hmm. uh, you felt mm-hmm. that way um certainly during your playing days I was talking to Tisha Pinachero a couple of weeks ago. She expressed she got more into the agency side of things. She probably felt like, yeah, somebody might have wanted me to coach. But I was kind of, as a point guard for her, she was kind of tired of being a coach on the floor. But you, you seem to not be able to get enough of it. And, and you were a coach on the floor during your time. I mean, there's no doubt about that. You were a, a big time leader on the floor. So why couldn't you get enough? Why are you a coach? You know, it's it's, it's interesting because we're all – I always thought I wasn't going to coach. I thought, you know, I've been doing it so long and, uh, you know, want something different. I love the game, but I just was like, all right, let me just do something different. Like I don't want to travel anymore and, and have the same life. Uh, but, you know, the opportunity came along and Bill's like, hey, come play and then move over to the coaching side. And I was like, all right. And part of it is, I think it it is, I love being around the game. I, I love uh, the interaction with the players and coaches, and I love the thinking and the strate- strategy and the being in the gym. So, you know, for me, once I moved over, again, there's the understanding of how much work coaches put in. Like, it is night and day from playing and coaching. There is the responsibility, the prep work, the time put in is night and day. I mean, it is... A hundred times more than a player, uh, but it's it's reward because you're not just worried about yourself. So, but it's it's rewarding in the fact of you're still game planning. You're you're you get to have that interaction. You get to have that competitiveness. Um, but the hard part is is you can't go do it. So you have to really, you know, you're changing your mindset of how do I teach it? 
How do I, what are my words? How do I explain it? Am I, do I, we need more film? Do we need to show it, walk through it? And again, trying to, the understanding of that we're all not created the same. So we got to tweak things for this one. This one is better over here. And just trying to make sure that you're putting each individual in a, in a position to have success, which then will put your team in a position to have success. Um, and it's a lot of buttons. You're, you're, today that worked. Tomorrow it doesn't. So, all right, what are we doing the next day? And always evaluating every single day. Did that work? Did that not? Um, and then the consistency piece, right? What you're asking them to do on a consistent basis, because then that can breed habits. So it's, it's a lot of pressure on us to, to create the culture and to set the, the tone and practice and what we're, our expectations are and to hold them to that so that then they know what we want. So it's, it's, you know, you love it. It's challenging. It's, it, you know, I'll ask any coach. It's so hard to, you know, but it's so much fun because you get to work with, you know, amazing players, amazing people and go out there and, and, and play a game you love. And you also try to get them to believe that it is, it's super, first of all, it's really hard work to, to win a game in this league. But second of all, it really is a great job and it's, you get to play a game for a living and to never really forget that, that this is a lot of fun and it can be fun even though it's hard. And, and you really just try to always give them that joy, hopefully that they keep with them. Um, even though it's hard is, you know, it's one of the hardest things to do is win a game in this league. Um, so you just try to give them that balance of just enjoying the moment as well, because it's, it's not going to last forever. And, um, it's something they should really, you know, enjoy while they're in it. I'm interested to hear how you, you bring up Bill Lambeer, how his coaching style reflects on how you coach these days, or maybe you look back on, uh, you had so many coaches over the course of your high school, college, your, your pro career, um, that I'm sure were influential on you as well. Who's been the biggest influence on your career and, uh, you know, who do you compare yourself as far as uh, coaches you've either had or coached under in the past? Yeah, I probably am a, obviously a, a hodgepodge of all of them, but I think uh, Brian Agler, definitely the defensive side of the ball and a little bit of the offense is really who I am on that. On that. I mean, everything I learned on that side was pretty much from him and in the pride that I felt with defense and how much it matters is because of Brian. Um, Bill is – Definitely the the offensive pulling out plays, trying to make adjustments. You know, we had a ton of plays when we were in Detroit, how to take advantage of stuff, you know, drawing up stuff. That's, you know, he definitely gave me kind of that niche. And then also his team, always team first, but allowing players to be themselves within a, a team, um, bringing, you know, being them within the framework of a team. So whatever it is, your personality or your style is is fine as long as it's you know everybody's pulling in the same direction so kind of his management style is similar and then you know reeve was up it was under bill as well and i got to be under her so just her thoroughness and being able to watch her from afar and and pick her brain is also somebody who i value and and really respect and and consider a friend that i'd like to emulate just the way she goes about business and her expectations of her teams outstanding you played till you were 39 what helped you know at that that it was time because I'm sure that you had moments along the way where, you know, people are asking you, Hey, and we heard people ask, I, I think uh, Sue bird went kind of viral in this off season saying, why do you only ask athletes this? Hey, when are you going to get out of here? But um, it, you played to your 39. What helped you know it was time? Yeah. Your body, your body is definitely changes over the years and it's a little harder. The warm up is a little rougher and the recovery is a little rougher, but you know, I think for me, 
it started to be more mental than anything of, of getting up and getting um, focused and to, to have that edge uh, that you have to compete at that level on a daily basis, to do your job at that level every single day. You know, you start to know and in the mental pieces where I think you stop wanting to then push through and wanting to, uh, I don't really want to do this workout or, uh, you know, uh, you know, practice. So I think the mental piece is the biggest piece. Um, of course your body changes, but I think the, the, the ability to be at that edge, play at that edge every day was the hardest part. You start to be like, you know what? I just don't want to, it's, it's, I can't, I don't feel like doing it. So I think that's what I knew is just like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to prep again. I didn't want to get up again, like get up and get up for that game and be locked in and think about everything. So, um, I think that's when I, you know, I was ready and thankful that I got to, to pull the trigger and not have somebody else or an injury do it for me. I really got everything you know, out of my body and out of this career, but on the playing side. No doubt. How do you get up for a game now then differently <laughs> than you did as a player? Is it is it different for you? Is it a lot the same just mentally as, uh, hey, we're catching you on a game day here? How, how does it differentiate from when you were playing? You know, it's, it's, it's actually somewhat similar in the sense of the mental approach, you know, because even when I was a player, I think about, all right, what sets can we run tonight that will work this is how they guard us all right def- defensively you know this is what we can get done um for me it's more just making sure my mind's right again my body isn't the biggest issue i can you know i can stay up don't need a nap now and i'm fine <laughs> i just have to make sure that i i feel good about you know what our plan is going in um and also being open and aware being able to watch the game and understand adjustments that need to be to happen or subs or timeouts and just get that feel so just making sure that i've kind of covered all my bases and and what could we see what could cause us problems um so there's a lot of similar prep it's some anxiousness because you want to be able to do it which is the hard part is that you're i'm excited for the game and you have to say in your head i hope we did we do we tell them everything they need did we you know we covered everything we we get you know you're you're just you're anxious because you you you're excited to go do this um, but you got to sit back and and hope that you know you've explained it well enough that you're making the right adjustments. So it's it's a little more nerve wracking because you're you're not actually the one doing it. You got to be able to explain it and hope and make sure that you prep them as well as you possibly could. That is awesome. What a what a great explanation. You know we're a stats website and so we're kind uh-huh. of stats nerds over here. Uh, what's the first thing that you look at when somebody hands you the box score after the game and and you're headed to the post game press conference? What are you looking at? So for us, it's, it's turnovers, field goal percentage is a big one for us, and uh, rebounding. Um, so those are the probably the big things for us. we got to get our free field goal percentage up to about 45. Rebounding, you know, O-boards especially, like are you, are you being aggressive? Are you giving up extra opportunities? And then, you know, turnovers. Like are we turning it over and are they getting points off of our turnovers? You know, and, and that's those are things of – missed opportunities on our end, but also giving, allowing others to get easy opportunities and not play against our um, half-court defense. So those are probably the main things I look at of just what we're doing and are we being, you know, and that's being careless with the ball, right? Our turnovers, we're obviously not being strong with the ball. And then one other thing would be fouls and free throws. If we're last year fouled too much. And also the first game we, you know, committed 25 fouls, which is too many to give teams those opportunities to put easy points on the board. So 
those are some of the things I look for. And if we can win those categories, well, I think we'll have a better chance of winning games. And all these games are going to come down to the wire. That's the crazy part about all everything. It's not – it's going to come down to a couple possessions. So how disciplined and how consistent are you to value the ball, to box out? Uh, those teams are the teams that are going to end up you know, winning the most games is who can consistently do these things, the little things for four, the you know closest to 40 minutes as you can. How are you – because you're spanning – you know, a couple different generations here as far as when you played and now as you coach, traditional versus next level stats or analytics. Definitely, you know, got some people pushing that, you know, and we're raising our hand over here at uh, at Her Hoop Stats uh, for sure. But where do you stand on traditional versus next level stats? Is that something you can use in preparation uh, for games? No, we do. And, and you guys are uh, just even having you guys pay attention to the women's game and put the work into the women's game and provide those things, especially for the NCAA. And, and now for us, it's just it, it, it means a lot. And again, I, I have been a part of it when it wasn't it was not the things we, we used, um, it, you know, right now, lineups, looking at lineups, uh, which lineups are most efficient offensively is helpful. You know, which groups of players play play well together or, or maybe are better defensive lineups or offensive understanding who's who's doing what um what are your true shooting percentages like just everything so i we definitely use it um and are trying to figure out the ways that it best can help us but numbers to back up what you're seeing saying what what really dictates wins and losses you know being able to show players hey this is what we need to do and this is why you know, you, it's not just good enough anymore to just say, hey, we need you to, you know, to box out. No, this is this is why. And that's why the field goal percentages and your defense efficiency rate, all of those things are you look at the teams that win championships and their numbers are this. You can now say, look, this is why we need to do these things. And then you have numbers to back it up, which is, again, just gives it more oomph and allows people to buy in more. That was going to be my next question. So that's something that you actually physically show to the players. Yeah, we try to we try to tell them why we are asking them to do the things we're doing. We've told them that we need to get our field goal percentage up. We especially our three-point shooting percentage and our free throws. And this is why. This is we were 10th in the league in, you know, three-point shooting percentage or something or close to that. And we just want to get up to the middle of the pack and understanding that we need to put, score more points. And you ask them to do things, but again, it's people aren't, you know, you, can't just they're not going to go blindly and follow sometimes so you want to say this is why these are the teams this is what we need to do and and the more information we have and can back it up i think is better for them to then be like ah okay i get it now all right now let's all right i I believe it (laughs) and whatever it takes to get them to get that belief is you know something we'll do and finally i just want to get a message out to the fans you know i think that it's been a a really great start to the year as far as just the momentum behind the the wnba coming into the season and you know maybe somebody's listening to to this podcast and and they're a big fan of the game and they want to know what they can do to help it grow what would be your message to the fans out there how can they personally help the wnba uh get to the next level you know, support it in all ways, you know, come to games, you know, watch it on League Pass, watch it on TV, uh, buy the gear, follow everybody on social media, talk about it. I think even, you know, talking about the game and, and exposing other people to it and uh, valuing it, you know, making sure that people, it's not just an afterthought. It's like these ladies, this is the hardest league to make. <laughs> it's they only have 12 teams with 11 or 12 players. That's it. Out of all the women that play basketball across this country and, and internationally, at the college level or pro level, 
mean, there's only 12 teams, and it's the best in the world. It's the talent is just so great. So to just promote the game, to talk about it as if it's it's it should be talked about, not like oh, it's just women's basketball. No, it should it should be there. It is great. It is the game is amazing, and these women are amazing, and also they're so such a diverse group of women that bring so many things to the table, both as basketball players and as people, um, that anybody can connect with them. So just talking about it, supporting it in all ways, and let's just keep growing this thing. That is Katie Smith, the head coach of the New York Liberty here on the Her Hoop Stats podcast. Big thanks to Coach Smith for joining us this week. Uh, she was outstanding, wasn't she? So forthcoming in so many ways, and I've got to thank her so much for her time, especially in the middle of a very competitive WNBA season. Coming up next week on the Her Hoop Stats podcast, we take a dip into the college ranks and talk to one of the final four coaches from this past year. We're not going to change. I told people, told them for years, I said, you know, if I ever get to a Final Four or win a national championship or whatever, and if I change and act differently, you have free license to kick my butt. You know, just whack me upside the head. Because that's just not who we are. I don't think we'll change. We'll be the same happy-go-lucky team that we always are. That is Kelly Graves, the head coach of the Oregon Ducks here on the Her Hoop Stats podcast. We got into an all-encompassing conversation. It was absolutely awesome. Can't wait to bring it to you. So make sure you hit subscribe so you find it next week or uh, like or favorite us wherever you get your podcasts. And then if you're on uh, Apple Podcasts, of course, rate and review us. That helps other people find the podcast when they're looking for something great to listen to, whether it be WNBA or women's college basketball. The announcer for the Her Hoop Stats podcast is my good friend Susie Solis. Thanks as well to Jared Deck, jareddeckmusic.com for the theme music. And the executive producer of the Her Hoop Stats podcast is Aaron Barzalai. Here on the Her Hoop Stats podcast, we are unlocking better insight about the women's game. Her Hoop Stats. Her Hoop Stats.